guys and gals, welcome to the Oxford Holy Club, a place where we ready ourselves to give an answer for the hope that's in us. We will also try to answer your questions, random questions from the interwebs, and have some fun too. So put some seatbelts on your ears because we're in for a wild ride. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's your host, Beard Man. But tonight we're not joined by the bald eagle. Uh, unfortunately, when our bald eagle, Lucas, was flying back from Brazil, the airline uh, lost his luggage and his microphone and camera and a bunch of stuff were in that bag. And so uh, he would have joined us tonight, but can't. Now, for those of you that just listened to that episode, um, in his recommendation as an airline, he, he gave a recommendation to an airline. I wonder if we asked him next time if he would still recommend that airline, but I digress. Uh, tonight, though, we, uh, we do have a special treat for you. We're joined by uh, Reverend Justin Pickard, and I'm going to, Justin, it's so great to see you. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Thanks so much. Really, really excited to connect with you here. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through your bio here. I just, I pulled it off of the NYI Connect website, so you just get to sit back and relax and enjoy me, you know, talking about you for a minute. <laughs> so, so here we go. Uh, Justin is the USA Canada Regional Youth Coordinator and counts it a privilege to oversee youth ministry in the 5,000 local churches in the USA Canada region. Prior to accepting this position in October 2013, Justin served on the front lines of youth ministry as a youth pastor for 18 years and as a district superintendent for 14 years. He's completed a Bachelor of Arts in Christian Education from Southern Nazarene University, SNU, in 1998, was ordained in 2000, and earned a Master's of Arts in Church Leadership from SNU in 2009. Most notably, Justin is married to his wonderful wife, Julie, and they have two incredible children, Bailey and Brayden. Justin's passion is with youth ministry, and he loves the opportunity to invest in the lives of youth and youth leaders. And again, I say welcome to the show, Justin. Yeah, thank you very much. That bio makes me sound really old. I'm glad you got to the last part about my family, and, and they really are great. My wife, Julie, and my kids. So um, I, I love ministry, but I love my family more. And, uh, you know, they, they keep me sane, I guess. I, I hear that. Now, 14 years as a district president. Yeah. How did you do it? Well, uh, a lot of caffeine, uh, whether that be coffee or Mountain Dew, and um, no, I, you know, I really enjoy teens and, and maybe that's the key because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I often tell youth leaders, if you, it's one thing to love teens, but if you don't really like them, then you're in the wrong business Absolutely. because you really have to like teenagers. And, uh, and I guess sometimes I feel like I'm kind of on the, the same level with teenagers, uh, whether mentally or <laughs> emotionally or whatever. So we fit really well together, but I, I don't know that there's any real secret sauce other than, you know, the Lord's just given me the opportunity and I've loved uh, working with students, but I think liking them is, uh, is really critical to being in youth ministry long-term. All right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I, I was looking through your bio and, and I've, I've been doing youth ministry now for 16 years. So I'm coming up on you. Yeah, there you go. However, I've only had four years as district as district president. Um, so at the moment you've got the record, but who knows? We have an election coming up soon. So who knows? Who knows? We'll see if, if, if the district will allow me to, to see if I can, you know, at least make it to year 14. Maybe your beard can start to match mine with the gray hairs. Once you hit about that, you know, year 10 of district presidency, uh, you start to get those uh, gray hairs. <laughs> it's all right. I, um, look, we're going to just get real for a second, Justin. Okay. I haven't told many people this and you're, a, you're a redhead. Is that right? I am. Uh, 
you may be surprised to know that I'm also a quote unquote redhead. I've got red in my hair, but my beard comes in quite red. Okay. Yeah. And, um, I wasn't a big fan of that. So I would get just for men, <laughs> like we're really getting, we're really getting uh, <laughs> transparent here. I would get just for men and dye my beard so that it would be darker. And, you know, it looks fuller and all that. But I was also dyeing the sides up along the side of my head because it's got to, you know, it's got to fade in and, and all that. This is an awful lot of work. But anyway, mm-hmm. the one time I didn't do that recently, I started to notice, wait a second, how come there's silver all like in these different places I've never seen it before. So anyway, I just, I resonate with some of that gray hair talk, but yeah. Uh, that's that's funny. You know, I yeah, I'm red hair and blue eyes, which uh, that combination of traits is the most recessive uh, combination of traits that um, yeah. is in humanity. And so I, I think it's like less than 2% of the population have those, that combination of traits. So I remind my family regularly that they're in the presence of a real world treasure. That's right. You're with me. So. Wow. You're like a unicorn kind. Yeah. Kinda. Oh, funny. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, we're going to go through a few things and then uh, in a little bit, we're going to really spend some time on kind of what you do and who you are and, and an opportunity to plug an amazing event that we're about to be going into, but but has been on your radar for quite a long time. Um, but uh, Lucas, who is normally with us, he has these things called hypotheticals. And I always thought it was um, hypothetical or, or a different pronunciation of that. But regardless, it's supposed to be these scenarios that really make you think, and there's really never a great option. But uh, this is one that says this, if you could breed a hybrid animal of any two species, what would you choose? Oh, wow. Uh, you mean besides a, a lion and a tiger to come up with a liger? You know, that's that's one of my favorite Napoleon, Napoleon Yes, I was thinking you're definitely a youth guy if you know that. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's a oh, liger. Man, I, I don't know, but you know what? Probably anything bred with an orangutan would, would just be funny looking. I don't know. Um, and, you- and I can, I'm right there, you know, with the red hair and um, yeah, so... I don't know. I'd have to go with something in orangutan, probably. Maybe a. How about just way crazy on the spectrum, like a, a bearded dragon and orangutan? Then you know, uh, who knows what would happen with that? I was thinking you could give it wings. Give the orangutan wings. There you go. That okay. Would be, having said that, that really kind of cuts into the the uh, oh Wizard of Oz IP a little bit. With oh, the, that's true. It gets a little creepy with those. Uh, yeah, those little winged monkey. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't put a whole lot of thought into this. Uh, if I'm being 100% honest, I, I was going to just kind of take it on the nose here as we were looking at it. If I could breed a hybrid animal of any two species, what would I choose? There's an opportunity here for function over fashion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and and I think of people that are are preppers. We t- I talked about preppers a little bit in the last episode. I think this, you, you know, maybe like you get, you need milk and eggs to live. Let's just, well, you need more than that, but... Is there is there some combination of a chicken and a cow that could function and mm, you know both. and provide provide milk and eggs? I, I the reason I'm thinking that is we ran out of both of those things in the fridge today, uh, and at that time I thought, huh, I could really use whatever that animal is. Yeah, well, you just have to be careful that you're you know you're not really hankering for a steak and uh, slaughter the cow and then there goes the milk and you're just <sighs> left with the eggs again. So I don't know, but. 
Well, look, I'm st- I'm sticking with my answer, and you're going with an uh, an orangutan, a bearded dragon orangutan. Yeah, I, I just that sounds fun. I don't know. Well, if there's any, uh, well, actually, I know there are some listeners who are actually artists. If you want to do a rendering of what we've described and send it to us, uh, we'd be happy to post that on our social medias and give you the props, and we'd definitely shout it out in the episode. Uh, so, good luck to you with that. Uh, now, are you familiar, Justin, with Yahoo Answers? It's a it's a website. Uh, not really. I wasn't. Um, and- and I listened to different podcasts where they would take these ridiculous uh, questions from this website. And basically what this is, it's a catch-all for the questions that are out there on the internet. And some of them are just ridiculous. Um, and, and uh, th- well, this is a, I've said this before. This is a side note kind of. There's a lot of people asking questions about Christianity on this website. And the responses that are coming in are not from what I would say the church. You know, they're right just it, anyway but there's all these different questions and these people are looking for real answers and often they get some hilarious uh, answers from different people but i thought it'd be fun to take these questions and just see what we could do with them and this one is controversial uh, just so you know okay the question is is pizza just an open sandwich or is it a salty pie oh wow to just jump right into the really Theological depths yeah. of, uh, um, wow. You know, I don't know. Could, maybe I could even throw in a third possibility. Is it just an unfolded taco? Oh, my goodness. You know, wow. Hmm. Does it depend on, does a taco have to have a, a corn um, shell, like a corn-based shell? Well, there's flour tortillas, right? So, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe that crust, depending on what it's made up of. Um, well, that that opens up a whole world of questions because if it's just dependent on the on the toppings, that then is is there ever is there really such a thing as a pizza? Mm. You now know, we're getting into some of the real, you know, this is existential, existential questions of our time. So, wow. Now, some people have responded on Yahoo Answers, and uh, let's see if I can pronounce this Yahoo user. Uh, Anthro Dragonferrite says, it's dry, one-sided spaghetti. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Can you, though? Because when I think it's like spaghetti is a specific noodle, so is it like, are you making it with spaghetti noodles, this pizza? I I don't... I didn't... I did have pizza the other day for the first time. The crust was made out of cauliflower. So I don't know. It's getting closer. We're doing all kinds of cool things with food these days. Wow. So I thought you were going to say that was the gonna... first time you had pizza. That's how that, that's what the lead yeah. up sounded like. Yeah. Well, you know, as a youth pastor, uh, I'm, I've had my fair share of pizza, no doubt. Wow. 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 Okay. Here's another one. This one bothered me. Uh, Yahoo user uh, Abatabat123 says, well, I consider it an open sandwich as I put mayonnaise on it. Not disgusting, Ooh. but it has all the parts of a normal sandwich. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. Uh, mayonnaise on pizza. That doesn't seem right. That, yeah. that That's come that like when I think of mayo, I think of just a normal sandwich, but but a pizza then I guess by their definition would be an open an open sandwich. 
So if if you had to choose right now, Justin, and the world was waiting on your answer, how would you? So you've given us now an extra option: is a pizza mm. just an open sandwich, uh, or is it a salty pie? We didn't even touch that one. Is it a salty pie? When I th- I guess when I think a pie, I think uh, I don't I don't have Have you ever had a savory pie? What is a well? I guess meat pies. Yeah, meat pies. Um, you know, they're shepherd's pie. I don't know, uh, but I'm with you. I, when I think pie, I definitely think sweet over kind of salty, zesty. So I guess if I had to choose, I'd have to go with the with the open sandwich on the pizza. Okay. And what did you think? I'm in, now I'm just interested. What was the cauliflower crust like? Yeah, it was actually really, really good. Um, it didn't necessarily taste like cauliflower. I'm not a huge cauliflower fan, but um, it... Uh, it wasn't quite as tight of a texture as like a bread, sure, but uh, good flavor and um, had a, a little bit of kind of crunchiness to it, a little less chewiness, and uh, it's good. I enjoyed it. Okay, what were the toppings? I'm really invested now in this cauliflower yeah. pizza you had. <laughs> uh, I think it was like um, it was like a chicken pesto kind of oh. um, you know topping. So yeah, oh, so, good stuff. So it was there was no marinara sauce. It was like a it was a- no right. Oh. Yeah, it was more of like a, a pesto sauce. So would you really call it a pizza? Well, you know, some people might not. Um, no. You know what? I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Where did you get it, if, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, a little pizza joint uh, here local called Spin Pizza. Um, so they do wood fire grilled um, pizzas and uh, all kinds of unique toppings and things. It's more of kind of a, a Euro style pizza. Sure. So yeah, fun little pizzeria. Uh, what was it called again? Sorry. Spin. Spin. If there's anybody from Spin Pizza listening, uh, we'd be happy to talk about sponsorships, uh, but this one's on us. We'll just give you, we'll give you that one. I'm just teasing. We'd get 10 people. Uh, all right. Well, is a pizza just an open face san- or an open sandwich or a salty pie? Or what was your third option again? Sorry. You- yeah. I was just wondering if it could be, um, uh, an unfolded taco. An unfolded taco. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, what we will do with this question is uh, we'll put it up on, on our Facebook page for you to vote on your option and what you think it is. And then we'll, we'll talk about what you say uh, next week. But we've got Justin going on record saying it is an open sandwich and he's defending that position. So just don't, don't, don't come at him. Um, I don't think it's a salty pie because I think pies are generally sweet, but I know that there's other options and I can't get, I have to go with you. I can't get on board the taco thing because the ramifications of that are massive. It, it upsets the apple cart, so to speak on our definitions of food. You've really (laughs) taken us places tonight, Justin. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, happy to. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for our Not a Sponsor break, the part of the show where we highlight a product that we feel does it better than anybody else, but they won't support us financially. Nobody does Are you an inspiring artist, someone who's writing lots of music, and you're looking for a way to get that music out to the world? Maybe you've compiled a whole album of songs and you want to sell it or you want to stream it. Uh, I know that it can be very complicated to figure out how am I supposed to get my music sent to Apple and, and to Spotify and Google and all these other services to get it out there. It can really give you a big headache. I know that for me, it was a massive headache of how on earth do I distribute the music that I'm creating? And similar to Anchor that makes it a one-stop shop for getting your content out, CD 
Baby also is like that, but for your music. Um, you can sell and stream your music everywhere. They have global music distribution. You also can get paid weekly and there's no annual fees. That's right. You can monetize because if you're writing your own music, you should be paid for the work you're putting in. And so you can monetize your music and they will collect the royalties for you and, and then it will deposit it into your bank account. So music distribution, be everywhere you need to be worldwide. You can make your music available in 150 plus streaming and download services around the world, including Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Amazon, Pandora, YouTube, and Deezer. <gasps> All for one time, a one-time setup fee. Wherever your fans prefer to listen to music, they'll find you. The most revenue streams for your music, streaming, download CDs, and vinyl sales. That's right, you want to go old school and get vinyls made? They will do it. YouTube monetization, sync licensing, publishing, royalty collection, direct-to-fan sales, and more. Anywhere you can earn money from your music, CD Baby is getting you paid. CD Baby, getting you paid. I should end this here, but I'm not gonna. There's also music marketing tools and the, and to help you build your audience. Don't just release music, but get noticed. Turn casual fans into email subscribers, Spotify followers, YouTube views, and more. CD Baby gives you powerful tools that can instantly amp up your music promotion. And in my opinion, nobody does it better at helping me distribute my music than CD Baby. CD Baby is getting you paid. Not a sponsor. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're glad that you're still here with us. Uh, now, Justin, we've been doing this thing lately called uh, Questions Christians Can't Answer. And uh, I didn't call it that, but I was on the internet just looking for different, you know, questions. Uh, content for the podcast. And, and well, actually Lucas threw this to me uh, a while ago and, and, you know, you can find all kinds of these things out there in the internet where people post, you know, questions that Christians just don't have an answer to. And, and they use those questions as evidences for why Christianity isn't real, why God doesn't exist, all these different types of things. And, and so what we wanted to do was just take these questions without any real research. We wanted to take these as if this person walked up to us on the street, knew that we were a Christian and said, hey, and then, you know, insert question here. And we were forced to answer it on the spot. How would we take that? What would we do? Uh, keeping in mind that in the world we live in, you know, Google is a real thing. So being able to use our phones or computer or having a Bible on us, we're allowed to do that. But uh, generally what we've done in the past during this time uh, with different content has been to do some research and dig into things. But this we're just kind of taking. So I know that you looked at the notes earlier. So if you prepped, uh, shame, shame. No, not really. Uh, so this is the question that's before us. If God is all-knowing, why did he not know until the very moment in which Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac his son, uh, that, that Abraham feared God. So if God knows everything, why did he wait till the very last minute to know that Abraham actually feared God with this? And, and we know the story about Abraham um, about to sacrifice his son Isaac and, until he raises the knife and then an angel, you know, stops him. But it was like at that last minute. So why? If God knows everything, why did this have to happen for God to really know about Abraham? Well, well, that, there's there's some different ways to go with that, I suppose. But yep. you know, as a dad, I think about my kids, and I think I have a pretty good handle on who they are and how they might respond in situations. Uh, but there's sometimes that I just let the play button 
uh, continue on rather than pressing the pause button a little too early mm-hmm. just to uh, to see how they might respond or to give them opportunity to um, to respond kind of uh, in their own merit. And, you know, just off the cuff here, not giving it a whole lot of thought, I, I didn't really prepare. But, you know, I think uh, there's a sense in which um, it, God certainly does know all things. But uh, I think sometimes he allows us to kind of uh, move into scenarios and situations to just uh, either see how we might respond. And uh, I think this might be one of those cases where it was, yeah. you know, I lose the, use the term test loosely, but um, you know, he, he knew Abram's heart, That's right. um, but he, he kind of wanted to give him opportunity to kind of um, show his metal, test his metal. Um, and um, so I think he stepped in good thing at just the right time, right. For his son, but yeah, uh, really, uh, really got a sense for who uh, Abraham was. And I think that's uh, in large part, why we have dubbed him uh, the father of our faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, he certainly shows us a, a robust faith that um, that isn't blind, but also isn't held back by anything that, that he might just know about the world around him. He was willing to, uh, do whatever he felt like God was calling him to do and, and, uh, uh, live a true life of faith. So, um, yeah, I think that's how I, where I'd go with that. You know, I, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I, I was thinking, and you're a dad, I'm a dad. It was interesting to me how I, I read different, I, I read these stories differently after having kids. Sure. Uh, it gave me a, a different understanding and now God has not called me to sacrifice my children. At the same time, God has called me, though, to put him above my children. Sure. And, you know, the story of Abram, which you, which you know, is, is this, this promise from God that, that there's going to be, you know, have this massive family, but his wife was barren. And, and so when they finally have a son, uh, now there was, you know, um, Ishmael that came first, but that's a different story. But then when, when Abram and his wife had Isaac in my brain, you know, he was, how old was he? Like, yeah, I think triple digits, right? (laughs) Right. Triple, triple digits finally had this son. How easy could it have been for him to make his son an idol? No doubt. You, You know, and, and, and for us who don't have to go through all the, all of that to have children. It's easy for us to put our families, you know, before the Lord sometimes. And, and so, you know, I see this, I see this in two ways. Uh, I think that, that God certainly knew who Abram was. And, and there was definitely that, that, uh, you know, that testing. I think a lot of that was for Abram too. Yeah. You know, will he put God above his own son? You, You know, like, that it that terrifies me, and I've I've shared with the youth, and you know, we when we especially when we talk with Jesus, how God sent His only Son, right, John three sixteen, to die for each one of us in the room, and and we're talking about that, and and what if God actually called me to sacrifice my children? Hmm. You know, we we don't want to talk about that kind of thing today because that you know that's just is He really going to do that? Uh, but I couldn't. I I don't think I had the strength, frankly. And, and do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's a tough one. And I, you know, um, I, I've thought about it too, as a dad, it's hard, hard for us to imagine, but I think you hit the nail on the head and, and the way I think about this, uh, and often have 
is that, you know, um, Abram had the opportunity to put his faith. We talked about him as the father of our faith Mm -hmm. to put his faith either in the blessing. His son was the blessing, right? That was what God had promised him to make this great nation starting with, you know, this, this son. And he had the opportunity to put his faith either in the blessing or the blesser. Wow. And I think we kind of get, sometimes we, as you said, we create an idol, idol out of something really great, even something that God gives us, yep. a blessing from God, and we put it over and above the one who gave us the blessing. And, uh, and so we kind of, we just, uh, we get mixed up in where our, our faith lies or, um, uh, you know, we kind of put things or even good people, good things ahead of the the giver of those good things. And that's God. And what a great example that, that uh, Abram gave to us in that he chose the blesser even over the blessing. And because of that, you know, God blessed him more and, and gave him all that he, you know, kind of dreamed of. Um, but it came down to that one decision to put his faith in, in the blesser in God ahead of the blessing. Yeah. And you know, uh, I was recently sharing about Abram, um, because, and, and this is a kind of a weird way to approach this, uh, cause you probably don't know this, but, um, my family and I are, are moving from Oxford. I've accepted a, a pastoral position in Prince Edward Island. And, and, uh, as the Lord was leading me in that, which was a difficult decision, he led me to Genesis 12, where he calls Abram mm. and, and he, and he called, and, and it's just, I thought it was so interesting because it's, there's a whole lot of implications about what was going on before, or, or there's, you know, there's talk about, you know, what was happening for Abram before and the security that he had and the family that was around him and all these different things and, you know, land that he knew, livestock that he knew, all this stuff. And God just said, go to, to a land that I'm going to show you, but he didn't tell him where it was and he didn't. And, yeah. and oh, by the way, I'm also going to do this for you, even mm-hmm. though it's not uh, quote unquote physically possible, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he, and he called him and, and then just a couple of sentences down, it just, it just says, and, and Abram went. Yeah. Right. And I, and I looked at that and I'm like, that's, that is the attitude we need to bring is that when we hear God call, we go, do we have to have all the answers? Absolutely not. It's nice sometimes, but, but when he calls us, we go. And, and, and this, again, this moment that we see with Abram really speaks to that mentality and that willingness to be obedient. Um, even when you don't, you got to think that he was walking up that hill, just going, is this really happening? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you've got to wonder, but he was faithful and, and, and that was countered to him as righteousness. Right. So that's, I mean, that's how I would approach this. If, if I just had to, if someone came up to me, I would, I would talk about how God already knew. I think that God already knew this was more about Abram and his faith and who was he going to follow? Because without Abram's obedience, we wouldn't have Jesus, right? This whole, this whole lineage that comes from Abram takes us straight to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right on. And again, uh, that's why I mentioned right at the beginning, my uh, relationship with my own kids and yes. that sometimes maybe the the easy thing would be to, to step right in the middle. But I think there's sometimes uh, opportunity that we, we allow them to kind of learn and we recognize the value of them um, learning and growing and, and making some decisions um, on their own. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, I, I just love that we serve a God who, um, 
who doesn't just create, you know, robots for him, but uh, right. gives us the opportunity to choose him. And, uh, and even when we, um, you know, go our own way, uh, draws us back and, uh, helps us to kind of dust ourselves off and, and continue to, to move with him. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. He gave us free will. Um, well, I think we've, I think we've done all right with that. If, if, if I may be so bold, <laughs> we'll find out later. I've, I've got my own series of questions about the scripture. Maybe we could start oh. our own little, you know, website and ask, I mean, what's up with the, with Elisha calling the, the, the she bears out of the wilderness to maul the kids that are called them baldy or, you know, how about, uh, <laughs> there's, we could go through a whole series of questions that I'd love answers to myself. You know what? Um, I remember when our youth stumbled onto that scripture and just the questions that came out of that and, <laughs> and then they would use it. Then, then they started using that scripture as like a threat to people. <laughs> yes. Right. And, and if, if you're a good youth pastor, there's a passage in Acts that you can use that same way, right? Paul's speaking to some people and they're on the, the, the scripture says they're in the third level of a, of a house. And there's a, a guy named Eutychus who's sitting in the window and it says that Paul's preaching on and on and on kind of into the night, pretty typical youth pastor fashion. Maybe they were doing a lock-in or something and it's getting pretty late and, and Eutychus is starting to nod off and scripture says he literally falls asleep and falls out of the window and falls dead, you know, three stories yep. down, Paul rushes down, prays and, and ends up kind of, you know, laying on Eutychus and uh, <laughs> thankfully he's restored to life. But I, I've used that as a threat myself, you know, for my students. Hey, if you, if you fall asleep while the word is being preached, you never know what might happen uh, in the meantime. <laughs> Just belly flop on top of them. Wake up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Can, can that happen? Can you, have you done that? Have I preached it late into the night? Oh yeah, you better believe it. <laughs> no, have you belly flopped on a kid? Do you, do you really? Oh no, I don't. I don't think I've ever belly flopped uh, on a kid, but uh, I've done plenty of belly flops from uh, the high dive. Um, you know, at camp. This is kind of a tangent, but uh, the past, the senior pastor at the church that I'm at, uh, when I was growing up as a teen, was my pastor uh, back in PEI, which is where I'm from. Anyway, long story short was uh, back then there'd be, you know, wrestling nights in the dark with strobe lights. Okay. And, uh, and, and a bunch of my crew, a bunch of the boys that we hung out with were like big boys. And so we were wrestling with, uh, with Mark uh, Collins and what did we, 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 he had to have surgery on his knee. Like we ripped tendons and all this stuff on him. Yeah. So that's, I think shortly after he started scheduling paintball nights, (laughs) <laughs> uh, just to kind of take out uh, some, you know, frustration on us. That's been my go-to. I'm not sure what yours has been, but my go-to is once they like, you know, once it gets up to here with frustration and annoyance with some of these, and I do like our youth. So just so you know, <laughs> I, 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 I schedule paintball. There you go. Well, you, you know, you mentioned wrestling and I actually wrestled in high school uh, on a pretty good wrestling team. And, um, and I made the mistake my, my first year in youth ministry at camp, I had a pretty unruly crop of boys in my room. And, uh, you know, I was just out of college, so I was still pretty young and, and I thought I was pretty cool. And so I finally, the, the third night, I said, all right, I'll tell you what, 
you guys can pick anybody in this uh, in this whole cabin. And there were several rooms in the cabin. So I don't know, it was maybe 50 boys or something in there. I said, you guys can pick anybody. We're going to have a little wrestling match right in here. And uh, you can pick anybody you want to go up against me. If I win, it's my rules the rest of the week. No question about it. If you guys win, we'll do whatever you want, whatever you say. And their eyes got big and, and they immediately began to think about who they were going to pit up against me. And they brought in, it felt kind of like David and Goliath. They brought oh, no. in this huge football player from another church who they had kind of talked into to doing this. And, and, uh, but you know, I knew I'd wrestled quite a bit and, um, was fairly good at it and, uh, knew that if I did the right things, I shouldn't have any problems. So I offered to start in the down position, which is really a defensive position, but one of my favorite places to be. And as soon as somebody yelled, go, I whipped around and put a move on this kid and didn't mean to do it quite so hard, but I ended up oh, in, in my reversing it slammed his face down into the ground and immediately he lifted his head up and it was just gushing blood out of his nose. And so I immediately just set up and I said, you know, we're done. I'm sorry. Let's get you cleaned up. I thought I broke the kid's nose. Um, but you know what? I never had any problems with the rest of the crew. I was going to say that camp. Uh, so uh, man, I had to, uh, I definitely had to backpedal a bit and I never wrestled after that, but you know what? I didn't have to either. So. No. <laughs> So uh, what, was it your rules the rest of the week? It was my rules the rest of um, my youth ministry tenure, I think. Oh, shoot. So, <laughs> so, uh, but, so there's yeah, the that lesson. Was a mistake. I wish I had that one back, but uh, but I, I garnered the attention of those boys for sure at camp uh, with that, with that little mistake. So anyway, maybe we need to have a separate podcast where we just talk about youth ministry mistakes. Right. Yeah. Fail. Youth men fail. Oh, <laughs> I've got, I've got an awful lot, but you know what time's going. So I'm going to just leave it, leave it for another time. Um, all right. Well, uh, Justin, I would love to spend some time really just talking about you and and get, letting the audience get to know you and finding out kind of uh, what you do in the Church of the Nazarene and and just, you know. So uh, I've got to know you over the course of the last few years in in different regional events that, that we do, uh, leadership conferences and uh, something called NYC, Nazarene Youth Conference, uh, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. And, um, and so... I know you're a busy guy and you've got a lot going on. So I really appreciate it. I, I felt bad because uh, the last thing that we were at, it was, you know, the last event was just wrapping up. Everyone was heading out and I cornered you to see if you could come on this podcast and just kind of shotgun blasted you with, hey, could you do this? And then was just gone. Um, so thank you for taking the time to do this. It, it means an awful lot. And yeah. I'm looking forward to our audience getting to know you better and, uh, and also to just to support you in prayer as well. Uh, so, Justin, uh, we can really shape this, like I said, however we want to, and, and we can run with what I've written down as some conversation things, or we can go wherever you want to take us. But I'm, I'm really kind of wanting to go to the very beginning with you if, you, if you could, to talk to us about your call into ministry and, and what that was like, when God called you and, and how you responded, that type of thing. Yeah, so it's a long story. We joked about how old I am, but if you go way back to uh, my growing up years, um, I grew up in a military family. My dad was uh, U.S. Air Force, and so we moved a lot. Okay. And every couple of years, we might move houses, and every few years, we might move cities or states. I even spent a little bit of time overseas. And uh, besides my family, 
one of the constants in all of that moving around was the church, hmm. and in particular, the Church of the Nazarene. And uh, so I had the privilege of living in many, many different states and even a little bit around the world. But every place that we moved to, within a week or two of moving there, somebody came and knocked on our door and um, suggested that mutual friends of theirs and ours at our previous church had contacted them and suggested they look us up and, and welcome us to the new area. And so every every few years when we would move to a new place, it was the same story hmm. of the church and the people of you know the body of Christ seeking us out, making connections with friends that we had, you know, in other places. And, uh, and I just came to really have a deep seated love for the church. Um, because I got to see, in, you know, as much as I love our theology and our doctrine, and I do, yep. uh, I just believe that the crown jewel of the church of the Nazarene are the people. And mm. I've met some of the finest people around the world that God has used to really love on my family, love on me as a, as a kid and a teenager and so uh, I began to sense, uh, especially in my early teen years, um, the the value of the church and what um, you know the hands and feet of Christ uh, could could really be for a family. And um, so I kind of had this sense for a long time that um, that you know I got to experience the church in a really incredible way, and I even begin to kind of think as a young teenager, boy, it would be really cool to, to work in a church and to uh, experience um, in a real way what, uh, what I had seen in all these different churches and kind of be a part of God's hands and feet in a, in a leadership position, a ministry position. But, uh, but I also, growing up, had this real strong desire um, to be a lawyer. I actually wanted to be a corporate lawyer um, and uh, when I headed off to college, I had in my mind that um, while God had planted these seeds of, of ministry in my heart, my head was telling me that that uh, you need to pursue law, you may need to make big bucks, uh-huh. and then maybe on the side, you can um, have more to give to ministry in the way of resources. And so when I entered um, college, that was really my hope and plan. I started out uh, majoring in business went to Southern Nazarene University. So a Christian school was there on a a scholarship to play sports, but um, was a part of the church, but didn't really, hadn't really um, surrendered to this call to ministry. But you know what, while I was there, I saw another kind of layer of the church and that was kind of living with the church. Mm -hmm. Um, And you may not think of a a dorm life as kind of a church life, but uh, there were some incredible, um, young leaders at that school that just rallied around me. And uh, I began to really grow in my faith, uh, surrender my life to Christ. And I kind of came to a crisis point that really, for me, it was this this place where God was saying, you've kind of known that I've been calling you to ministry and you've even suggested that you would get to it or, or dabble in it, but it's really time for you to decide. Um, are you in or out with this complete surrender of your life, including your vocation. And I wrestled with that a little bit and I kind of came to the conclusion, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll accept your call, whatever you want me to do. Really felt like he was calling me specifically to youth ministry because of what I had seen in my adolescent life from churches and the, the, uh, 
the ministry that youth pastors had um, had planted in in my in my life, and so I kind of said, "Okay, Lord, I'll I'll do what it is you want me to do." But I was still holding on to this idea of uh, getting a business degree and having something to fall back on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I uh, again, I I grew up military and had this strong sense of responsibility and taking care of your family and providing for yourself and your family and your future and all of those kinds of real practical things. Mm -hmm. And this call to ministry seemed so foreign to me uh, because it was so um, uncertain, so different than what I had known um, and experienced. And, uh, And yet God basically said, if you're serious about following my call, then then why wouldn't you be serious about getting the full preparation to do the ministry that I've called you to? And it was at that moment that I really recognized and kind of, I switched my major. I went in and talked to to counselors at school and just kind of switched my whole path. And it meant that I was a little bit behind in wrapping up my school. So I graduated a year later than, uh, than I had anticipated, but that shift um, I think was really critical in preparing my heart and mind for um, the ministry that God was calling to me to. And for me, it's always been about youth. Yeah. I know that some people youth ministry is kind of the first step in training and learning into becoming a lead pastor. But for me, from the very beginning, uh, I felt, I felt very specifically that God was calling me to invest in the lives of youth, to make a difference in, uh, in young people where, um, so many had made a difference in me mm. And, uh, and I felt like that was for the long haul. And so here we are, you know, 20 plus years later, and um, I'm still, I think in youth ministry, I'm not a traditional youth pastor anymore, but my 16 year old daughter describes to her friends sometimes when they say, now, what does your dad do? (laughs) And I've heard her describe what I do as, well, he's still a youth pastor. He just has a little bit bigger youth group and he works with adult teenagers. That's what she calls youth leaders, adult teenagers. So I don't know. That's a pretty good description, maybe. Very perceptive. Uh, I just have a larger youth group, and uh, and I just I I still believe as much as I did at the very beginning that God is continuing to call me to invest in the lives of youth, and uh, He's really blessed me with some great opportunities to do that. Wow, um, that's extremely cool. So as a youth, you started to sense that call. Now. Uh, a question popped into my mind, if you don't mind me asking, and if you do, we can always edit this later. Um, when you switched your major, so you went into university, uh, even though it was a Christian university, but for a business degree, and then you right. switched, what was your, what was the support like from, from, from your parents? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it was kind of, uh, all over the map. Um, my mom and my dad had been always really supportive of me, growing up and, and all of my dreams and hopes and plans and all of that kind of thing. But when I, when I decided to switch my major, I kind of, I got some real encouragement and, um, uh, just really positive words from my mom, who was a strong believer, was praying for me, um, and, and knew kind of what this call that I had wrestled with might look like and what I was answering to my dad, not so much, you know, he, he didn't really get it. He, he was really coming at things again from a real practical perspective and wondering, you know, why would you want to step away from a really great, um, 
track for life to set yourself up and, and do mm-hmm. some great things. And I think he really struggled with it, uh, especially at first. And um, maybe even for a while when I first started in ministry, I think he just didn't want, um, maybe it's that we hear that kind of that argument, the college student that comes home and says, you know, I want to be an artist. And they're like, well, how are you going to make a living doing that? And yeah, yeah. we all know that in ministry, um, you know, it's not exactly the path to riches. Um, and so I think, you know, my dad just wondered, how are you going to make this work? Um, and uh, I think, though, he's really come around. And after a number of years of seeing, I really believe, kind of the Lord's blessing in my life, not um, with riches, but in terms of um, people and life change yes. and um, just long-term kind of ministry success, um, I think my dad's really come to see that, uh, that I truly have been called by God. And I was just following what mm-hmm. it was that God was laying out in front of me. So I, I really believe there's a lot of truth to this idea that, um, I, I don't know that I could truly be happy or fulfilled doing really anything else other than ministry and, and ministry for each of us might look a little bit different for me. Sure. Again, it took the form of youth, youth ministry, but, um, I just, I've really sensed, and as I look back over my life, that um, I'm doing the the sort of things that uh, God called me from the beginning and really shaped me for, shaped me with my experience, uh, my schooling, um, you know, all the things that I've kind of gone through really brought me to this point. And as I look back on it, I can see how God's been with me every step along the way and uh, helped grow me into um, the ministry leader that he you know, desired from a young age. So that's neat. And it kind of almost goes back to what we were talking about with Abram. There was a call and there was the opportunity and you, and you chose to, to follow that call. Didn't have all the answers. And, and I've heard similar questions, you know, about ministry and, and you make a really good point that uh, ministry for different people looks differently. What's important is that if you feel God calling you to something, so I, you know, I very much believe that God calls plumbers, you need like to be godly plumbers that are honest, that, you know, serve him and, and that, and, and doing that can be ministry. And, sure. and we have a different, we, well, we have ministry within the church, you know, as pastors and, and all that, but everyone is called to, uh, to ministry in some way. So, um, now, now I am curious because, and you've shared a little bit of them and, and uh, I, I, you know, crazy youth ministry stories. I'm really interested <laughs> Now you were, you were in, you know, 18 years of, of full-time youth ministry. If I, did I understand that right? Yeah. And that 18 years was at one church. So, um, but, uh, yeah, tons of crazy youth ministry stories. We could probably, you and I could probably write a book together on that one. Is there one that just stands out a short something that was just fun or that you, yeah, I don't know. And it can be fun or it can be serious, just something that stood out to you in your time there? Well, um, I don't know about short. My, my <laughs> kids and my teens would suggest that no story of mine is short. Uh, but let me just give you a sneak peek to my second week on the job. Fresh out of college, 21 years old, uh, second week on the job. I had just started at this church, and I was young enough to think that, uh, you know, I could handle everything, but I was just – I guess naive, but um, was really baptized by fire in my first role because I, I showed up to this church. 
great church. I was there for 18 years and loved it. But the second week, and they had set up a huge mission trip in connection with General Assembly that summer. And uh, so my second week at the church, they basically came to me and said, uh, you know about this mission trip? We've got it all lined up. Everything's ready to go. Um, And they basically said, here's the keys to one of the church van. Here's the the list of the 30 students that you're taking. Here's a couple of adult leaders just to make sure you don't mess anything up. Uh, God bless you. Have a great week. And I thought this was, you know, the greatest thing um, I could imagine until we uh, started to drive down the road. And it wasn't long at all that I began to realize that this week was going to be um, a real test for me as a young youth pastor. And uh, just to give you uh, a, a smattering of what happened in this one one week, um, I had to break up uh, one fight between students, which isn't all that uncommon. But then I nearly, or I had to break up a, a near fight between some parents uh, who uh, got into it on this trip. Um, I had to separate my NYI president and another um, youth leader because they were really getting into it. I had to, um, I had to call my pastor and deal with a, a couple that was on our trip who um, the husband had kicked the, the students out of his room so that his wife could join him in the hotel room uh, for the re- remainder of the night. Um, I had to, uh, I had to deal with uh, a kid who um, while we were on a painting project uh, said that she wasn't sure if she had drank the paint thinner that was in the cup or the cup of water right next oh to word. it. Oh my word. Oh my um, word. And that was just the tip of the iceberg with uh, the things that I had to deal with on that trip. And I thought when we came back, I remember telling my pastor, if I could survive this trip, and everybody was still with me, and the and the parents were still in my corner. Then I think I could see my way through just about anything. Uh, so uh, interesting first, wow! First week, but um, but made it through, and uh, the Lord helped us. And I think it just um, set the stage for our youth ministry leadership there for the future. But pretty wild ride. Are you writing a book? <laughs> I should, right? You really I should. Think about that first week. There's actually a couple things I'm, I'm not even sharing that uh, that maybe eclipse the things I did share. So it was, it was like, um, it was like crazy youth ministry stories all condensed into one week. Wow, pretty, pretty wild. Oh, that's amazing. All right, let's. So you were in youth ministry for 18 years in this church, and you were the district NYI president for 14 years. And, and then did you come out of those roles then into this regional um, position with the NYI office, the Canada USA? Yeah. So kind of the way that happened, um, I wasn't looking to go anywhere. I've always believed in longevity and consistency in youth ministry. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, was seen in the stint that I had at Dallas First Church for almost 18 years. Um, but there was a time when uh, when I started to feel... I don't know, a little bit restless. Maybe, you know, um, my time was coming to a close. A lot of the things that I felt like God had um, asked of me or showed me at the beginning had kind of come to fruition. And yep. it just felt like, I don't know, like things were um, were shifting. And, you know, it was really interesting because that was at about year uh, 14 or 15. 
And you know what I what I realized in the midst of that was I was in the adolescence of my ministry at that church. And just mm-hmm. like our, our kids, our own kids, when they kind of hit that adolescent, there's this natural kind of, not really pulling away, but just there's this natural yep. autonomy or desire for something different, new, That's right. um, kind of spreading our wings. And I, I think some of that is good. Um, you know, none of us want to have our kids living with us for the rest of their lives. So there's some good things that come out of that. I realized as a, as a youth pastor that I was kind of in that season hmm. where there were really good things happening and I, and I loved it, but there, I just was kind of, I don't know, a little bit unsettled. And I remember praying and just asking the Lord, you know, what, is there something next? Do I need to hang out here longer? What, I don't want to just be spinning my wheels running on a hamster wheel. Um, and it was in that time that I really felt like the Lord gave me a strong word out of his scripture and one word in particular, and that was the word wait. Wait, and I'm I'm um I'm not real good at waiting. I'm not super patient. I like to make things happen, and uh, so that was a really hard thing for me. But for about a year, I felt like God was just telling me to wait, and um, I didn't understand what was going on. But uh, about a year later, when that process started, and I felt like God was just saying, "Hold on, be patient, wait, just bloom where you're planted." Um, my lead pastor uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, we spent um, a, a year or two where I think it was just this really, really rich time in ministry where uh, he had ministered so effectively and so much for me. And I was able to then minister to him and the church in a new way that I hadn't really before, really stepping in uh, to greater areas of leadership um, in the church and really walk alongside uh, my lead pastor and mentor as he walked through that really difficult um, bout with cancer and um, walked through chemo and and all those kinds of things. And I, looking back on it, had I jumped at that first moment of kind of unsettledness or, Mm. you know, desire for something different or new or adventure or whatever, I would have really missed, um, you know, two or three years that were really rich of ministry preparation and personal spiritual preparation that, um, that God had for me. But toward the end of that time, um, when I was, uh, kind of just getting back to the place of, okay, things are back on track at, at church, uh, lead pastors doing better. Um, and just kind of out of the blue, I got a call from our regional director, uh, Dr. Broadbooks and said, um, Justin, we, we really would wonder if you would pray about this opportunity. You know, that, uh, that we had an NYI office for our region or a, a coordinator that worked in the global NYI office and did ministry in USA and Canada from the global NYI office. And we've kind of moved away from that several years ago, but um, really would like to relaunch an NYI focus or an NYI office, but embedded within the regional office. Mm-hmm. So directly in line with USA Canada and with me and with our USA Canada regional office. And, um, you know, your name has come up and, and wondered if you would pray about that, think about that. And so my wife and I took some time. We've always kind of prayed about and worked through things together. She's felt, um, called the ministry in, uh, in a different way than I have, but really to support and, um, assist and, and just be alongside me and what God's calling. But we really feel like our ministry is a team effort. And so we prayed about it. And, um, even kind of put 
put a bit of a fleece out and ask God to really show, make it clear to us. We, we weren't looking to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never really been an establishment guy. So I had some reservations about uh, moving to, you know, headquarters and, uh, and all of that kind of thing, but really felt clear over the next week or so that God was saying, you know, this is something I want you to do. And, uh, and so we called back and, and told him that we'd be happy to come and, take on this adventure of relaunching this office and kind of reshaping, um, bringing something new to the region and, um, and, you know, just kind of jumped at the chance to, to be about a a brand new thing and still be involved in youth ministry, but do it in kind of a a new and unique way. So um, again, looking back, it's been almost six years that we started this office and um, it's just really been a blessing uh, not everything has come about the way that I had hoped or planned or dreamed at the beginning, but I can honestly say that it's been um, a real blessing and uh, have loved the opportunity and feel like God's doing some really neat things across our region. Mm-hmm. Um, not in, you know, not due to anything that I've done, but I've just had the opportunity to kind of watch and be a part of what God's doing across our region. Well, and, and, and you don't sell yourself short, and um, and I appreciate that what you're saying. You work with a really great team too. You've got some Absolutely. great some great leaders in your office, and uh, so help me out here. Um, at we have our local level, which is you know like our normal youth groups, and right. and they have uh, like a local NYI, and that has a local president. So then, you know, for your, then you move up to the next level, which is district. And, you know, your district has different local levels and, and all that. And you have your district president and your council and all that. And then the next step up for us, at least in Canada, we have our regional NYI of which Helen Thiessen, who, you know, um, Helen is our, am I right? To, Helen's our regional coordinator. Is She's that the field? Yeah. Field so that coordinator. Canada would be field, your field, we field call it. Yeah. Yes. Whoops. I'll edit that out and make myself sound intelligent. So, th- so okay, so then Helen's our field coordinator and she works right. with the district presidents. Um, and then and then there's the regional. Right. And of which you are. So then who do you, you work with, you know, you have a, an office with different people in it, but then do you work with, you work with Helen, I'm assuming, and, and who do you work with? Yeah, yeah, I work with a lot of people and that's probably one of the the main things that uh, when you think about kind of my job description or what I do all day, um, working with a variety of teams probably takes um, about 50% of my time. So I work with, I I call them the lead team or the regional NYI council is made up of uh, the nine field youth coordinators like Helen. So every one of our nine fields has a youth coordinator has a university that they kind of, it's the hub of uh, education and ministry for the fields. So we have nine field youth coordinators that I work with. And uh, every month we get on a conference call together uh, to kind of get updates on what's happening on the field and for them to hear from me and for us to really work together. um, I'm, uh, I'm really not interested in kind of a top, top down approach to ministry or program driven ministry. Um, I really am about empowering those field youth coordinators and district leaders and youth pastors to, uh, to really take hold of the ministry that God has given them in their context. And so I try to really be more of a, a leader that kind of leads from the middle 
and is uh, listening, learning, and leading. And I think they go in that order. I really try to listen well to um, those leaders in their own context, recognizing that they know their people and their um, parts of the country and the ministry that's needed better than I do. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think uh, NYI leaders have in spades is creativity. And uh, I just believe that um, that my, I don't know, my uh, leading isn't about imposing or prescribing um, you know, ministry modes and methods and, and those kinds of things, but it's more about empowering and encouraging you all, the people that are at the grassroots level yeah, yeah. Uh, doing it and really serving and supporting as best I can what you're doing um, organically. And then the other part I see is kind of bringing us together. You know, mm-hmm. how, can, how can we kind of create a network of shared collaboration, um, facilitation, dreaming, and recognizing that we're all united. We're pulling on the rope in the same way. Um, or the same direction. And so really trying to create a culture or a climate of community, mm-hmm. even though we have miles and miles and miles sep- uh, that separate us, that um, that we're all in this thing together. And I hope that kind of comes out in the way that we lead our events, um, programs, ministries, that um, uh, people like this lead team that I work with are really the, the keys to um, the leadership development, to evangelism and discipleship on the fields and on the districts and uh, people development, leadership development. That's really important to me. And uh, you're right. I have, I work with a great team. So this NYI regional council is phenomenal leaders that have been elected from every field and I get to work with them monthly. And then we get together to strategize and things on an annual basis. I have a really strong team in the office that, um, that I've been able to kind of, uh, accumulate and train and raise up. And they do a phenomenal job with a lot of the administrative pieces, um, the logistical pieces of, uh, running, you know, um, NYI and trying to resource, you know, the 5,000 plus churches on our region. And then I get to work with some other teams like, (coughs) uh, global NYI, you know, Mm -hmm. USA, Canada, we are one of six world regions. And so I have a counterpart in every world region that I get to meet with, uh, every month. And, uh, and we strategize, um, you know, and work together to say, how are we, uh, working for evangelism, discipleship and leadership development across the globe. And, uh, so that's exciting as well. So lots of teams that yeah. I get to work with and be a part of. And I really think, um, that's one of the keys to our success. And one of the keys to, the success of NYC is that we're constantly developing leaders and teams instead of just trying to do it all ourselves. <coughs> Absolutely. That Now this dovetails perfectly into what NYC is. And so I'm wondering if you could give a layman, if, if uh, <coughs> when I talk to about NYC for the first time with people, they think I'm talking about the city. <laughs> sure. Right. And, and yeah. then, then we break it down and explain what it is. So if you were talking to someone who had no sweet clue what NYC is, um, could you tell us what NYC is and its purpose and, and just whatever you really want to share about that, Justin? Yeah. So NYC, like you said, we say that to people all the time and they think New York City, um, but it stands for Nazarene Youth Conference. 
And it's a, uh, we used to talk about NYC as an event of the church, but I like to talk about NYC as a movement in the life of the church hmm. that began in 1958. So like six decades ago, um, a couple of, of youth leaders had the vision for bringing youth together um, for worship, discipleship, and kind of mobilization in the church. And so every four years, high school students across the USA and Canada gather together for Nazarene Youth Conference. And actually around the globe now, there are NYCs that happen on many of our world regions. Africa had their first NYC two years ago Very and cool. was just a really incredible time. But for USA and Canada, we've been doing this for uh, six decades and um, it's really about a few things. You know, NYC can't be everything. Sure. But uh, we really focus on a few main um, kind of points. One of those is, uh, is worship. We gather for worship. And um, for somebody that's maybe never worshiped together with uh, seven or 8,000 <laughs> young people and youth leaders from across our region, you can imagine it's, um, it's just a powerful yeah. Um, time to hear and see the diversity of people, faces, and voices as we worship together as one. And that's one of the highlights for me um, is just worshiping together in spirit and truth with thousands upon thousands of other uh, young people across our region. It's also about discipleship. And so we try to creatively think about how do we bring our students to the table um, and sit them down with their creator in a way that um, that he could speak to them and they could respond. And so when I think about administration, which is probably one of the one of the other big things that I do on a regular basis with my job, I think of administration as hospitality, the gift of hospitality. And so our team works really hard to set the table and clear the table. Just like when you have company over to your house, yeah. you kind of set the table and then you have this great meal and you talk and you visit and uh, build community. And then you take the, the dishes away so that they can just kind of be comfortable and enjoy the time together. That's what we're trying to do with NYC is bring students to the table, remove all the distractions and give them an opportunity to um, in community together with one another, worship God, learn from him, um, listen to him and respond and so uh, that's a big part of what we do with the discipleship piece and try to do it in a creative way that really engages and empowers young people. Um, and then last is the kind of the mobilization piece, and that's um, kind of community service. A big part of what we do at NYC is to really help plant some seeds in our students' minds of what it means to serve their world. Mm. And so we give students um, – all kinds of opportunities to do that. But one of the main ways is through their ministry with others projects. Every student at NYC will spend the bulk of one whole day um, in the community serving, raising awareness um, and, and really kind of ministering to that community and planting seeds for ministry that we hope will last even once NYC is over. So it's about those three things, worship, discipleship, community service, all under the umbrella of, um, uh, uniting in community of bringing this huge crop of people together in one place to, uh, to do all of these things together and recognize that, um, that we are one together, that we serve God together and, uh, 
while we are, there are lots of miles that separate us. Um, we are more connected, yeah. um, because of our love for God than, uh, than anything else. So it's really kind of becomes a great celebration. And, uh, I have yet to meet a teenager who's gone to NYC who comes back from it and just kind of says, Oh yeah, well, I guess it was okay. Um, most everybody that I talk with, whether it's right after NYC a year later or 10 years later, most often they point back to NYC as one of the, one of the top spiritually forming, um, you know, events that they've ever participated in. And, and I think they see their, how they fit into the larger movement of Christ's church and the church of the Nazarene than they ever did before. So it's really a, an, an identity uh, movement where it shows students that, uh, that they're a part of this grand story of the church right now. Yes. And what they are doing impacts, and has a, a greater influence than they could ever imagine because they're connected to a way bigger story than even their district or their field is by itself. Well, and it's so true because you, you can get into your your local youth group as a young Christian and, and think that you're kind of all alone. You've got this little group of people that maybe you see in school, maybe you don't. And and then if you do get together for district stuff, you know, depending on your district, you're getting together with more people, but you don't see those people that often. And and, and I know the NYC is only once every four years, but you're right. One of the, the beautiful things about it is understanding that you are a part of something so much bigger. Yeah. And, and yes, USA and Canada are very similar, but there's also a lot of differences. But the thing that unites every one of us under that you know, arena is Jesus. Yeah. And from all different types of walks and, and everything else, and to see people, um, hands raised, all together singing is is, is powerful. Yeah, it is. Uh, and that, that I will say, and this is a, a plug for the Nazarene church. I think that's one thing that we do well, um, that we are a global church and globally minded and that we are a family. When I go to Cuba or when I go, you know, somewhere else and I, and I find Nazarenes there, I'm already family. I'm already welcomed. Mm-hmm. I'm already accepted. Right. And, and it is just, it's a beautiful thing to see the church operate like that. Um, Man, we're going long. How you doing, Justin? I didn't mean to keep you this long. <laughs> I'm good. Well, I, you know, I'm enjoying it and um, appreciate the the opportunity. I love talking about youth and I love talking about NYC. So, uh, it's now, good stuff. I will say this: I've I've had a, a very limited snapshot into some of the logistics that you guys have to deal with. You know, hotels and restaurants and arenas and you know, wor- world famous. Um, bands and speakers and all these different things that you guys are are navigating and working with. And I, on behalf of Canada Atlantic District, I just want to say thank you. Um, it is so worth it, and it's made a huge impact here in our district. I can tell you that, and I could share stories with you another time of youth who gave their lives to Jesus, accepted calls to ministry to Jesus, and have never turned back from hmm. that last NYC. And that's the key. You know, that's that's why we do it. Um, I talk with our lead team regularly and we talk about, you know, the passages that Paul talks about, whatever, whatever your hand finds to do, whatever you do, you know, do it as unto the Lord. And I, you know, we could get bogged down in all of those logistics and all of that, you know, administration. And that's why it's so important for me. We really see those things as, um, as parts of the whole and recognize that again, that's part of our work to set the table and clear the table so that we can host students 
and and connect them with their creator and with Christ um, together. So we count it a privilege to to be a part of such a powerful movement in the life of the church. And you're right. I hear people all the time uh, suggest that NYC is one of the best things that uh, that we do. But, I, you know, I never want NYC to just become something that we do. Yeah. Uh, we, we say this all the time, but NYC, if it ever becomes just a destination, um, then we've lost something. NYC is a launching point. We really believe that as students encounter a risen Christ mm. at NYC, he will compel them to uh, and call them to things that none of us could have uh, imagined. And so we talk a lot about NYC as kind of this um, splash zone, and it is. And there's excitement. It's a celebration. Sure. It's this powerful splash zone. But what gets me really excited is the ripple effect that happens afterwards, because you know what happens when you throw a stone into a a lake, there's that initial splash, but the ripples, while they might get a little bit diminished, they also grow wider until they reach the shore. And NYC just seems to have this ripple effect that goes on for a lifetime as students, you know, look back and point to that splash zone and then the ripples in their own life of what God is calling them to do and how they're responding and how the church is better because of um, uh, what God has you know, the way that he's shown up his power and presence in one week with thousands of youth. Um, and then the ripple of his power and presence um, for, in some cases, decades and and um, even beyond. Well, Justin, um, we are going to see you July 10th to the 14th in Phoenix, Arizona for this, this year's NYC. Yeah. In case you're doing the math, that's in 71 days and 14 hours, 20 minutes and one second. Very good. And I know that, ladies and gentlemen, not because I'm a savant when it comes to time, um, but because I went over to uh, nyc2019.com and I would encourage you, if you want to check out more information and just really get a good uh, snapshot of what goes on at NYC, to head over to that website right now and you can check it all out. It has a little counter that says how long it is until uh, NYC is going to happen. Did that stress you out to hear the amount of days, 71 days? No, we're actually counting them down in our office. And, uh, you know, we also have the countdown on our app. So if That's anybody right. wants to run over to um, the Apple store, the Android store and and search Nazarene Youth Conference, you can pull up our our app. It's a free app and it's got a countdown as well. And some, uh, some really good resources and things that we're continuing to add to to help students prepare for NYC, but then also uh, help on the other side when we get post NYC to uh, to help find ways to tell the story and lean into the call that God has placed in their lives um, at the event itself. So lots of ways that we're trying to allow people to, to lean into it, covet uh, everyone's prayers for NYC. Mm. And uh, whether you're participating as a student or a leader, but we'd encourage you to join us in prayer leading up to it. And then that website that you mentioned, uh, we'll have a link there in July for live streaming. So if people would just like to peek into the sessions each day, uh, they'll be able to kind of watch live the, uh, uh, the worship, the speaking, the creative elements, and, um, um, just kind of see and, and peek into uh, to NYC via the live stream. That's uh, a great resource to have. Uh, Justin, is there anything else that you wanted to throw out at us before we, we move on and wrap this thing up? 
Uh, I don't think so. I just so appreciate you, Brad, and, you know, uh, district leaders and youth pastors uh, around our region. You all are the ones that um, uh, that make things happen. And I so appreciate the leadership that you bring. I appreciate creative resources like this podcast. <laughs> this is great. And um, uh, I would just say, keep at it. You know, NYI has always been leading the church in new ways mm-hmm. and uh, new modes and methods for ministry. And I just want to encourage you and other youth leaders that might be listening to uh, to just keep keep on keeping on, keep uh, thinking of creative ways to to love students and invest in them. Uh, I believe that God is honoring that, and I'm glad to be a part of the Church of the Nazarene and NYI. Um, you know, our church really does believe in the youth uh, of our church, yep. and uh, we're given an opportunity through NYI to. Um, to really kind of be an, an incubator for discipleship and leadership development. And uh, I count it a real privilege to uh, invest in the lives of youth this way. So thank you for how you pour into that as well. It doesn't go unnoticed. And uh, the church truly, uh, we need the church and the church needs young people. Mm. And uh, I would just say, continue to say to our young people to keep um, living out our our um, kind of NYI theme verse that reminds us to not let anyone look down on you because you're young, but be an example for the believers in your faith and your speech and your purity, literally in your life. And don't, um, don't sit back waiting to be involved in ministry until you're old enough or prepared enough. Um, Find a way through NYI to, uh, to get involved in ministry today. And I believe that God will bless you and bless the church because of, uh, that investment. So. Amen. I agree with that. Uh, now, even though Justin, I spent an awful lot of time coming up with what I would call a dad joke, uh, for this Yahoo answers question, I'm going to skip it unless you really want to hit this. And I'm going to skip the next thing just because we're, we're running, I've kept you now for almost an hour and a half, uh, or an hour and 20. Um, it's gone quick. It has gone very fast. Um, so what I would like to do is if you're all right with it, we usually like to throw out some kind of recommendation for the people at the last, uh, the last thing that we do. And so we've never, I don't remember ever doing a Bible recommendation. Now this could get dicey because some people, if you say anything other than KJV, uh, you know, they'll find you. And, uh, and, and I like the King James, I'm totally cool with the King James, um, but I'm wondering if you have a Bible recommendation that you would toss out to the people. Yeah, I, you know, I, I have a thought, um, you know, in this world of technology, I think we all agree that technology is kind of a double-edged sword, right? Yep. But um, I believe that if we could leverage the tool of technology better um, in the church, that it could be a, a great tool for us. And so I would throw out, and I think, Maybe you'd mentioned it once before, but the Bible app, uh, YouVersion, yep. um, is to me one of the best tools um, for reading scripture on a regular basis. I have it on my phone. It's actually the first thing because I use my phone to wake me up in the morning. And so as I turn off my alarm, uh, it actually prompts me with the scripture of the day. And it gives me an opportunity, even before I roll out of bed, mm-hmm. to make sure that my day kind of starts out with... Uh, really a word from the Lord, something to kind of chew on throughout the day. I also do some uh, devotionals or studies, maybe even connect with some other people through that version app. So to me, it's just a great tool because I also have my phone with me everywhere I go. 
And so I love to, uh, to read scripture right there. And um, uh, it's just a, a powerful way for me to connect with God's word um, easily and uh, everywhere that I go. And just a little tidbit, I actually um, know the guy who developed Uversion, um, Bobby Grimwald, uh, and I went to school together at SNU. So wow. um, it's interesting to note that uh, an SNU graduate um, is the one who developed the app that that probably is responsible for more people reading the scripture um, for all time and all humanity. Maybe Gutenberg is the only other one who could say he's maybe responsible for more people reading the scripture than Bobby Grimwald. And I think that's... Uh, that's pretty cool. So that'd be my uh, suggestion and um, a way, and then you can look at any number of um, translations or um, helps and tools, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just a great tool for getting into the scripture on a regular basis, in my opinion. Very cool. I also threw that in. I love the Uversion app. It's great. If I want to do reading plans with youth, I, we can all join a reading plan together yeah. and watch each other fall behind. I mean, we can all, uh, no, I'm just, I'm just teasing. Um, the other thing I, uh, I had never heard of the ESV version, um, for, for a couple, well, I've never heard of it until a few years ago. My pastor mentioned it to me and talked to me about it. And so I checked it out and, and I, I enjoyed it. I've, you know, I've had the NIV and I've, I've had my King James and different versions for me. I just appreciated, I, I found the ESV easy to approach as, yeah. as far as the language and, and all of that. And I really enjoy, I, I enjoy a study Bible to be able to, you know, to look into some different things. I always though preface when I'm recommending a study Bible to remind people that, you know, that generally scripture's on the top part and someone's opinion of scripture's on the bottom. So just to remember the distinction between the two kind of thing, but I, I enjoy study Bibles uh, just to help kind of flesh out some things that maybe you don't, you know, I, that I didn't understand in the first pass through and reading. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that version app is fantastic. And that's crazy that, you know, the guy that made that, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, Justin, thank you so much for taking the last hour and 20 to spend it here with us. Really enjoyed your time, our, our time with you. I'll edit that too. You'll, you'll never know. <laughs> I've enjoyed it as well. Thanks so much for the invitation. It's been fun and time's definitely flown by. So uh, appreciate what you're doing here. Um, kudos on it. Well, thanks, Justin. And thank you listeners for taking the time to spend it with us. We hope that you've learned something, that you've laughed, you've cried, you've had the full range of emotion. And uh, we hope to see you again next week for another episode. Don't forget that you can follow our podcast at uh, Oxford Holy Club on, I can't, Lucas normally does this. And I've, this is like my third pass trying to do this outro. You can follow our podcast at, no, you can follow our podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Oxford Holy Club, or you can email us, OxfordHolyClub at gmail.com. Send in some questions. We'd love to be able to answer questions that you have or read some comments or thoughts that you might have. If you do use our social medias, if you do use our social medias, man, it is late. Use our hashtag, O-H-C-L-U-B. And for every five-star rating on iTunes that you leave, we will read it on the air as long as it's good and clean and not mean. We haven't had one of those yet, so that's fine. If you leave the reviews somewhere else, I'll try to find them. If you can, if you can, become a supporter of this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. See, look how good I'm doing this part. You can support the podcast for as low as $1.05 or go hog wild and give up to $10 a month. 
You can make a donation by just clicking the link that's in the episode description. But more importantly, until next time, keep spiritually fit and have fun.